January Men, the January Boys fan cast. I'm bleeding from my eye sockets. And I defy my captors. Zos to you. And thee also. Uh, how are you feeling today? Truthfully, I'm a little loopy. It's been kind of a low blood sugar day, no matter how many times I pray to Zos. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling... Maybe loopy with spirituality today. Mm. Just very whole. You know, very reionized. Not fractional like sometimes. No, no. Uh, to me, the complexity of the present time seems to demand a condensing of our chakras if we we're going to survive. And it's good that I feel that way, I think, because the second January Boys film, which we're talking about today, Fire Cleanses, is a very spiritual movie. Uh, Morpheus, Dark Angelo really took the helm on this one and really kind of explored his own religious and spiritual uh, awakening. That's right. The uh, the writers of uh, the first two January Boy films, Morpheus and Stavros, Dark Angelo, were conjoined twins, and this really, the first was more of a collaboration, January Boys 1, but like you said, uh, Morpheus entered a spiritual phase, and you can really see how that influences January Boys 2 Fire Cleanses. It's different tonally. Yes, and atonally. The atonalities are on a different level. Uh, that's true. And uh, it influences my vibrations, I feel like. I can tell the difference when I'm from when I'm vibrating while watching the first one and how I vibrate when I'm watching January Boys 2. Right. Well, reality has always been full of storytellers whose hopes are nurtured by transformation. Yeah, it's interesting to see this combination of uh, overt spirituality and Hollywood, well, overproduction. I'm go I'm going to say it, you know, this really is a controversial entry because it yeah. starts to feel like Hollywood kind of gets its clutches on here after the success of January Boys 1, which had this this pure indie feel, and you can tell they're just pushing it. Everything's bigger, everything's a little louder, everything's a little slower, everything's a little longer. Right. Uh, I love your energy, I love your enthusiasm. Before we get into that, I would love to do some housekeeping. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, as we're recording this, the 11th, it's my mom's birthday, so happy birthday. Mom, uh, you may be... In your mid-40s, I want to say. But you don't look a day over 12, because when you clone people, they don't age well. Or, or at all. They age very well, very gracefully. Uh, so, Mom, happy birthday. You keep doing that prepubescent thing. And uh, maybe next year you'll look more like a 13-year-old. Um, also, now I'd like to stop just for a second and thank Doug Jones for liking a, a tweet. That we tweeted at January Pod. Um, thanks, Doug Jones. Thank you. Yeah, of January Boys Two fame, and also you know the Shape of Water and uh, good good job being a sexy fish guy. Also, good job is Saru. Just good job, Doug Jones. Starting with Ma the Mac Tonight commercials and and moving up into whatever you're doing now, uh, which I would assume is not listening to this podcast. But you know, thanks anyway. Again, that's at January Pod. Go like the same tweet Doug Jones did. It makes us feel good, even if it's, you know, forced. 
And it's good for Doug Jones. It provides him protein. Yeah. So, yeah, just thanks again, Doug Jones. And uh, now, if it's all right with you, I'd like just to pause for a message from our sponsors. Six. Twenty. Four. Eight. Twenty. Four. Two. Twenty. Three. Thirteen. Thirteen. One. Two. Seven. Thirteen. Two. Ten. Thirteen. Five. Twenty. Three. Four. Ten. Thirteen. Six. Twenty. Four. Eight. Twenty. Four. Two. Twenty. Three. Thirteen. Thirteen. One. Two. Seven. Thirteen. Two, ten, thirteen, five, twenty, three, four, ten, thirteen, and we're back. Uh, remember, if you want to decode that. Just look up the Captain Cosmic code on the back of your Captain Cosmic card. Uh, check out uh, the USS Atlantis for more details. That's my favorite Atlantis. It's my second favorite Atlantis. The first one is great to visit in the spring. Yeah, it's not a summer place, though. Mm. Okay, so the second movie, Fire Cleanses. Like you said, it's a very controversial uh, installment in the January Boys series. What did you think of it? on your first watch. Ah, uh, man, it, it it was killing me. I wasn't sure if I liked it. And honestly, it's still probably not my not one of my favorites. Uh but That's fair. It's it took me really by surprise some of the changes they made and how drastically different it was. I mean, it kept the basic essentials of the story there, but it kind of it kept it just didn't know when to stop sometimes and it was three hours long uh and that really was kind of trying it was strange it was strange it really it legit it had multiple times it could have ended and it knew that like it would it rolled the credits multiple times during the film like it was trying to trick me yeah it was it would roll the credits people would stand up to leave and then it would just keep going marvel took a lot from that um when they started doing their films later on it was it was as controversial as, as it was, very, very influential in the larger scheme of things. That's true, that's true. You can still feel a lot of its influence. I mean, this was also a, this was a Zack Snyder film, one of his earliest ones, and a lot of the reason that it seems so slow is the amount of slow motion that he uses, which is a signature, but uh, he was still uh, experimenting, and sometimes he's using slow motion where it doesn't seem to add as much as it usually does. Like the scene when Joe Biden is going to the mailbox and bringing it back to the house. Yeah, it's very epic, very, very visually stunning. Um, the blues just pop. Yeah. Um, we should also probably mention that to the uninformed listener, sorry, that's what you are, at this point, if you haven't seen any of the January Boys films, I mean, good for you, I guess. Don't watch the second one. I, I really have strong feelings about this. I've seen the second one maybe 70 times, and I hate it. 
it was really that 69th, 70th watch where I really started to hate it. But anyway, yeah, Joe Biden is played by Vin Diesel in this one. Yeah, I that's right off the bat, something's changed. You know, you can tell the energy is so different without real Joe, without genuine Joe. But Vin Diesel is like not like. Yeah, you really feel that the dreamscape is approaching a tipping point and that path never ends. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you can tell, I think, Hannibal Burris does not have the same chemistry. You know, Hannibal Burris, of course, playing Jeb Bush. Hannibal doesn't have the same chemistry that he did with uh, Joe. Yeah, uh, luckily, thank God, they bring him back for the third film and, and from then on. But the second film, Zack Snyder brings in this big Hollywood name and... I wanted my senator back, you know? Yeah. Everyone's senator, as they call Biden. Even the, even when he became vice president, he was still everyone's senator. America's only senator. Yeah, but the gorgeous shots of fire, uh, I will say. Beautiful shots. He has captured, uh, Snyder does really capture the pure elemental form of this. And it does kind of, in, it, it does jive with the theme of the film. It, it The cleansing metaphor of how yeah. fire reju- both destroys and rejuvenates. Yeah, his his decision to have Vin Diesel um, naked for the entire thing and glowing was kind of it was it was a little bit it put me off a little bit for sure. Um, but the fire surrounding his glowing form, I loved. It was a, it was again beautiful, just visually stunning. Well, Joe Biden always kind of carries a kind of fire with him anyway, so it's kind of just a literalization of his energy. So I, that, that yeah, that didn't bother me so much, that visual element. That actually kind of worked. Yeah, I mean, it does have its good parts. You get to see the family. You get to see the family of uh, Joe and the family of Jeb. You get to see all the Bushes, again, played entirely by Hannibal Burris. He just he really slips into those roles, except for H.W., mm-hmm. um, yeah, and H.W., as we know, is played by a puppet, uh, sort of a Muppet-esque, um, flesh-looking puppet. Very animated, more animated, I would say, than the actual H.W. Bush, but not more animated than he was during the presidency, which is interesting. They picked a very specific line to walk for that. It's uh, interesting the way that the family relates to each other. I mean... The dynamics seemed real enough to me, you know, in those scenes. You know, I, I could feel the way there's each one of them had a different kind of status yeah. and, a, you know, a rank and, like, Jeb's relationship with GW. And uh, when they just kept Marvin in that cellar for most of it. Yeah. Um, I, I did not appreciate the soundtrack for this film either. Um, I thought really heavy on 99 Red Balloons. Ugh. I hated it. I, I'm sorry. It really bothers me. When that song gets put in any movie, and then there's the slow motion, when he's just he's just going for potato salad. He's just he's just with his family. His puppet dad is offering a potato salad, and then it's dun 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 It's like, shut up. It's slow-mo. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting really worked up about this, but it, it this... Yeah, they really do overuse it, like, a lot. They, in every slow-motion scene, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, dun Why not pick a better song from the 80s? If you're going to go with a song from the 80s, anachronism, by the way, if you're going to go with a song from the 80s, why not go with something more like, I don't know, the king of wishful thinking, you know? 
or Call Me Al. Yeah. Something with a little more pep, you know? I mean, it's a song about war, for Christ's sakes. Some of us don't have the best history with Luft balloons, you know? I'm not, I'm no, I'm not a Luft balloon fan myself. I mean, I can handle one or two, but 99 is like, come on. Yeah. It's like, it's like what, what is this, some, some rich kid's birthday party? You don't need 99 Luft balloons. Yeah, and then even the fact that it's not even 100 just is infuriating to me. I don't know, like, who would buy, like, no, no, I only want 99 Luft balloons. I don't... Just pick a round number, you know? It's like... Uh, it's so much easier. So much easier to do. One more. Uh, sorry, listeners. Uh, <sighs> it's just this... Many of you, many of you know, you know the anger that this movie brings in the fan base, and I'm sorry to those of you that really love it, you're used to it getting shat on all the time. You know, we're in the midst of an amazing evolving of curiosity that will align us with the Nexus itself, and it bothers me, it bothers me that this film even exists. That that being said, though, Morpheus Darkangelo, peak of his game with the writing. It really is... uh, it really does build the world a lot and it really does uh, show off some of his skills fewer jokes you know not not that levity to bring to the situations um with the arsonist and not a lot of levity when they're they're trapped in the woods but yeah exactly i mean the they have that whole scene about 15 minutes in where the whole town is burning and jeb and joe flee into the woods and then they have to subsist there for about 45 minutes they're out there yeah that's uh, the first hour eating venison subsisting on bark and venison and the venison is found in the trees right and we did touch on that before and i thought that was maybe just lazy directing i'm i don't know if they had some problems with you know, animal rights activists or PETA or, uh, like, why not make digital reindeer or something? Any hunting scenes? I don't know. They just seem to stumble into venison hanging from branches. Didn't seem like they planned that. It seemed like they were just like, ah, throw it in the trees. Because they never acknowledge that they're just finding meat in trees. Yeah, I think that was the work of PETA activists or maybe hummus. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's odd. But then sometimes I wonder if it's a metaphor. I feel like maybe Morpheus intended it as kind of a metaphor for, you know, just the way we consume animals just consume each other. And even the forest is like one animal. And is it cannibalism to just consume another being or is it actually like subsistence? And th- But then, you know, it just doesn't seem to be treated with enough any seriousness by like Snyder's direction doesn't seem to give us any insight into if this is a metaphor or just a lazy production detail. That's actually a really interesting insight. I wouldn't have thought of that. I, I mean, and I've seen the film seventy times, and it never occurred to me that maybe it was the higher ups that botched the film. Because, like I said, you know, peak of his writing game, uh, Morpheus Darkangelo, and it was just Stavros really didn't contribute that much i think he was kind of upset with them going hollywood on this stavros yeah didn't even want to show up on set but then morpheus was on contract to be there every day for touch-ups so when you're connected by the frontal lobe you kind of have to go 
with each other. So kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, yeah, sometimes literally the the brothers would get in fights on set. Sometimes. Yeah, it's a real oasis situation with them at times. Um, but when you're so close, physically and emotionally, as as they really are, it's bound to happen. It really is. Um, but you got to stick with it. So kudos to them for for sticking with it for all of these years and their very just very successful career. Uh, they must be rolling in it right now with royalties and. I mean, it's on TV all the time, even when it is that four by three version. But uh, you know, the edit. But yeah, so we talked a little bit about the introduction of of Jeb's family, sort of how he played it. I think again, Burris does a very good job. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, Joe's family, because they do see that he's he's raised by a single dad who is a lamprey, played by Doug Jones. Shout out again, Doug Jones, great great actor. Uh, he's he's been one of my favorites since I saw him in this film. He, his aquatic aura is really something for me. It's uh, he is an actor of the land and sea, as I like to say. I mean, yeah, very amphibious in terms of acting skill. Um, yeah, and you can see Joe's struggle with trying to live up to the expectations of his lamprey dad, but also forging his own path. Yeah, it's I, my favorite scene, for, for what it's worth, is when they're reunited after Jeb and Joe have their falling out in the woods and um, Lamprey Biden, as we all know, all lampreys just have the first name, Lamprey. Mm. Lamprey Biden swoops in and, and he holds his son very close to him and he says it's okay if you don't want to scrape the flesh off of other living beings with your teeth i get it i understand and for what it's worth um glowing naked vin diesel really leans in there and and gives it his all it's it's one of his strongest parts of his acting career vin diesel's always that got that vin diesel fire and glow and emanation from his body so uh that's the difference between him and biden is that it's with him, it's outer. With Biden, it's inner. Yeah, and I, I guess that's why they chose Vin Diesel to replace Biden. I mean, it was the the 08 election year, and I'm just so disappointed with the direction the film take. And the, just the first hour is them fighting. It's just bickering in the woods, you know? And they do bicker about some very interesting things, you know? Like, is the best way to be to be like water as the Taoists proclaim is the best way to be to be like mud as uh dark angelo makes a pretty good uh sort of argument for that because mud is mud is malleable but it still it sticks to things that it knows and i really think that that was kind of what he was pushing for but it came off as I think this is more to the director's credit. It came off as petty bickering over the meanings, of, the meaning of the universe, you know? Yeah, and there's there's the... Uh, I thought maybe one of the highlights of that section was Jeb's sort of dissertation on what is the nature of nature itself. Yeah, it was very Schultzian in a lot of ways. Uh, Charles Schultz, as we know, is a huge influence of the Dark Angelo brothers uh, in both humor and philosophy, so... Yeah, which is why Jeb Bush is always going good grief... And it's why Joe almost always carries a blanket. 
which is constantly lit on fire by his outward flames in this one. And then he just kind of pats it out, and they get on with the scene for a while. Then it lights up again, and he pats it out. So it's kind of like a little rag at the end, but it's kind of... I was kind of charmed by that he kept clinging on that little tiny sheet when it was just a rag, and it wasn't a blanket anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of charming. It's okay. So the film has its it's has its good moments. Um, when the arsonist is caught near the end of the second hour. Yeah, yeah. And you, th- it's the first time that you think the film is over, and it's like, great, okay, this is a pretty strong note to end on. I get it. All right. And then after credit scene after after credit scene, and they just keep re-rolling the credits, and that was really frustrating. It's a full hour of after credits sequences it was disconcerting i mean i'm still what do you think the idea was behind that was that it in itself was was that a morpheus thing or was that a i think that thing? was stavros was... i think that was stavros kind of lashing out at big hollywood you know i think because i know that it was the writers that forced those scenes to be in the film like i've seen the original scripts um they put them online and it says, roll credits, and then it says, psych, in big letters right after, and it just continues with the story. And I definitely think that's more of a Stavros D'Arcangelo original. He does use that in other films um, that he's done on his own. It's sort of a trademark of his, so I, I think it lines up, and it, but it started with this film. That's true. Stavros has always had a bit more of a meta sensibility on on the format of like media, whereas Morpheus is more organic in terms of uh, character and spirituality. Yeah, and I do think that stems from Stavros's ability to astral project, whereas Morpheus may have always been a little bit je- jealous of that um, because they are connected by their bodies. And when one can leave whenever he feels like and the other one can't, that can feel like a prison. Yeah, and I guess that left Morpheus time to reflect on the meaning of things when Stavros was exploring Jupiter in projection form. Well, I don't know where he traveled, but... um... Jupiter mostly. I actually read an interview. I don't know. I'm not sure why. He's got a couple hotspots in Jupiter. He really likes to go to that dark uh, center. That dark spot, the red dot on Jupiter. The storm? Yeah, he he likes to ride the storm. He calls it riding the storm. Huh. I always just assumed he was talking about his ex, but whatever. Well, he does sometimes refer to that as well, and then he lifts, you know, a hand. Usually it's his own. Sometimes it's Morpheus's. And goes, eh, eh, eh. Then until you give him another high five back, and otherwise he won't progress the conversation. Yeah, it's uh, it does appear to be very frustrating for... It can be a bit childish sometimes. Well, I mean, that's that sense of humor and that impish sort of way of being. And if I could astral project as well as he can, I, I would be a little bit more childish about the way I see things, too. Yeah, I guess so. So, did you have any highlights for this film at all? Well, I did like when the arsonist turned out to be Harrison Ford, like, just... Harrison Ford as Harrison Ford was setting yeah. I, I was, wasn't was surprised he's usually more of a hero and usually he's playing a character uh, but then they kind of when they finally caught the arsonist it turned out to be beloved actor Harrison Ford and that's they keep calling him that 
it was kind of nice to see Harrison Ford, but when they ripped off his rubber mask and shouted out, Beloved actor Harrison Ford, I thought that would be the end of them calling him Beloved actor Harrison Ford, but every time they referenced him, the every entire time. cast in unison shouted out, Beloved actor Harrison Ford, no matter who was speaking. And that was, to me, uh, it was a little bit, it stretched, uh, what is it? It stretched my reality thing? Fuck, what is that called? I like to say that it tightened the skin of my reality past the breaking point. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Um, I'm glad that yeah. we're on the same level Yeah. currently. Oh, I, I, I only had a dab. Oh. Um, so yeah, moving forward. Yeah, that was the highlight for me. I mean, did you, I mean, you talked about some of the ones that you liked better, and I know you, especially since those last couple times, do not like this film. Those last 69th and 70th viewings have cinched it, but is there maybe, what would be the kernel of, like, that you, the heart of this one? The heart of it is definitely puppet George H.W. Bush, um, who was actually not even a directorial choice or a or a writer's choice. It was um, producer Alonzo Brown's choice to bring him in there. Ten years after Cousin Skeeter, he really uh, wanted to bring back puppetry. And I and I admire that. And the humor is solid. It, they let Stavros kind of play with that character. Um, I just wish there weren't so many slow-motion scenes. I really do. <sighs> it literally slows down your viewing of the film. And when you're looking at that, and I've, I've watched interviews, you're supposed to be contemplating the debates that they had in the, in the sort of second act, and you're supposed to be contemplating fire itself, and you'll notice that there's a little bit of fire in every shot of the film, which, I, to their credit, is amazing to keep fires either burning that long or to continue setting fires and not have a single deckhand get hurt. That is impressive. Not a single member of the crew burned themselves during the making of that film. Uh, not a single member of the cast burned themselves. Not even beloved actor Harrison Ford. See, they've got me saying it now. Well, I'll always think of it as, oh, but it's beloved actor Harrison Ford. Like, even when they're just bringing him, bring, bringing him into the police station, they're like, oh, beloved actor Harrison Ford. I think that's on his nameplate when they take the photos you know, in the jail, like his nameplate, you know, when they have with his, they have his con- conviction number and they have his like first and last name. They have that whole phrase is in front. So he's holding like this very large uh, little plate in front of him. It's distracting. It really is. Um, I don't really love this film, but I do love still the franchise. I, maybe it's because it kind of ruined i hate to say ruined but ruined the first film for me because i love that open-endedness a lot of people weren't open to a sequel in in the first place and then once you get past that sort of point it's like all right give me more you know i was hoping they would redeem and they did redeem the franchise with the third film they did i and yeah. That's a fan favorite, I know, and uh, it is it is one of my favorites. I still like some of the other ones later down, but 3 gets it back on track. With all its emphasis on fire, it did kind of burn down the franchise to build it up again. So in a sense, it did give it a clean slate, 
to start with again yeah in yeah the odd way i don't know i honestly i think that kind of came from the dark angelo twins being told they were not going to be kept on as writers for very much longer after the film so it sort of got them into this uh philosophical mindset like what do we do with our future and you that does come across it does come across like what is the future to us um eons from now will we star seeds grow uh, will we re-energize the cosmos? Will the cosmos re-energize us? I, who really knows? I, I think that really the bottom line is the film has its faults, a lot of a lot of faults, but it does get the point across in its own way. It does what it was meant to do, and you do get sort of Morpheus's thoughts on awareness and the deeper meaning of potentiality and things like that. Yeah, I. So f- for nothing else, it's worth. It is worth a watch for exposure to some of Morpheus's contemplations that really do kind of stick with you after the film. I also like the scene where uh, puppet uh, Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, attempts to assassinate the mayor yeah that really does touch on a lot of interesting political ideologies as well uh but but again it's in slow motion the attack and so you see the puppet hand coming down with this large curved dagger and it honestly it makes it a little goofy not not laughable by any stretch of the imagination but it's a little goofy for me to see a puppet try to kill a mayor in slow motion. It kind of goes, for me, it kind of goes from, like, tension, like, tense to goofy to a little scary when the puppet eyes are in slow motion. It gets scary again, then it gets goofy again, then it gets scary, then it gets goofy, then it gets tedious. And then I don't know how I feel. Yeah, uh, to their credit, the puppeteers in charge of the Herbert Walker Bush puppet are very talented and they are very good at getting those lines in with the right emphasis they only had to do one take ever with that puppet they never had to reshoot because of the puppet or the puppeteer and sometimes the puppet and puppeteer would get into arguments with one another but it was always professional um, and it was always offset they were always respectful of each other's opinions they just sometimes disagreed of the most effective way to do the scene and they worked through it i mean i've seen the extra features on the dvd and Boy, class acts. That's how the you behave on a set. Yeah. The same cannot be said for Vin Diesel, who did try to set fire to pretty much everything. I, 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 okay, maybe not try. He is engulfed in flame at all times. But, yeah. It's hard to tell. Sometimes I think he used it as an excuse a little much, you know? Yeah. And he and Harrison Ford became very close friends because of their love of arson. That's true. This, uh, Harrison Ford was that he the reason he took this film was because he genuinely loves to set fire to buildings. Yeah, the budget for this movie was immense. It was enormous. It was probably the biggest budget out of, I want to say, every January Boys film, except for maybe eight. Uh, because Eight? Yeah, yeah eight, eight. But they did that tastefully. This was mostly like they had to build an entire town and then burn down that entire town two or three times to get the take right. That's true. And they didn't, yeah, they, no. you know, Zack Snyder, he's all about the, the big CGI and the big flames and the big slow motion, but he he really felt that this should be a practical effect. Um, so they didn't, yeah, they rebuilt and 
tore down and burnt down a town several times. At least once, Harrison Ford just kind of acted up a little early. So Yeah, that was regrettable. But again, no one got hurt, so it's all good. Well, there we are. That's... Boy, I guess that's the gist of the second one. But... <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm so disappointed with it and just bringing it back. If you're going to watch the film, watch it 68 times. Don't stretch for the 69th or 70th because that's when it sort of loses its luster. That sort of high gloss that Zack Snyder provides to everything sort of wears thin after 69 or 70 watches. Take it from fans. Usually it's like 69, nice, but not in this case. Oh, well. Anyway, um... Thanks for listening, everybody. Is there anything that you would like to say to the listener? As always, keep January in your heart. All right, I'm going to go wash out my bleeding eye sockets with soap. Oh, you should do that. I'm going to look for that murder weapon that I was holding onto for a friend. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. January Men is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Davis Banta. Today's episode was brought to you by the letter C for clock, chimes, and code. The music for this episode was Spirits That I've Cited by D. Yan Key from the Fury Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. <laughs>